0: Well, to to start us off this morning, I'll just start off with a question as we begin this new series. If you could get God to change one thing about you, what would it be? And most of us, we we, we can think of a big list of things, especially after all we ate over the holidays. But uh, as we begin this new year, so, uh, new year, a lot of us are thinking. A lot of us are thinking about changes that we would like to make. And it's it's interesting that when Jesus called and invited his first four guys to follow him. He made his agenda for them clear up front, right up front. He says, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And if you do, I'm going to change you into something. And we'd expect Jesus to say, follow me and I'm going to make you more disciplined. Or follow me and I'm going to make you more spiritual. Or follow me and I'm going to make you smarter, which is what I would want. Or follow me, I'm going to make you a better husband or a better wife. I'm going to make you richer. I'm going to make you more organized. I mean, there's all kinds of things I'm thinking if I follow Jesus that he's going to make me. And when Jesus called these first four guys to follow them, he tells them right up front. He says, I want you to follow me. And, and when you do, as you do, I'm going to make you into something that you're not. Because he had something big for them. He had a big assignment if they were willing to truly follow him. And for the next few weeks, what we're going to discover is his agenda for them, because his agenda for them is the same agenda that he has for you and for me, which is one of the core reasons why we started New Life five years ago, that was to help people find and follow Jesus, to inspire people to follow Jesus. And so it's important for us to be able to follow Jesus as Jesus Christ intended it. We need to know and fully understand what his agenda is. And like those first four men, it's a little intimidating. It's a little intimidating based on how you were raised or your personality type or uh, your experience with Christians. Because let's just be honest, we've all had some pretty scary experiences with certain categories of Christians. But we need to know, we need to know for for those of us who would follow Jesus, who take that seriously, that Jesus would say to you and to say to me that follow me, and when you do, I'm going to make you into something new. But most of us, most of us unfortunately miss this crucial aspect of what it means to be a Christian man or a Christian woman or to follow, follow Jesus. And if ever there was a time for us to understand it and to up our game it is now as we begin 2022 in a world that is as broken and divided as ever, and we're going to start today in the book of Mark. Now, Mark spent a lot of time with Peter. Peter was one of uh, Jesus's closest friends. He was one of the first four followers of Jesus. And Mark recounts the life and the story of Jesus, and he includes this account. Or he he, he includes this account when Jesus called the first four disciples. It's in Matthew. It's in Mark, chapter one, beginning in verse sixteen. And and Mark tells us as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who Jesus would later rename Peter, and he sees Peter or sees Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. And because he assumes some of us are a little slow, he says, "For they were fishermen." So come, follow me. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you. And again, we think more spiritual. Follow me. I'll make you more disciplined, a better person. I'll make you more honest. I'll make you more loving. I'll make you more holy. I mean, that's what we would expect him to say. But instead, he says, follow me, and I know you're not signing up for this, and I know that you're not going to know what this means, and it's not going to happen overnight, but I will make you fishers of men. Now, depending on the translation you read, it may say, I will send you out to, or make you to fish for people, but the literal translation is, I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. Luke quotes Jesus as saying this, from now on, you're going to fish for people. And again, even though they had no clue what they meant, immediately they left their nets and they followed him, which, let's just be honest, sounds completely irresponsible. It's like they're working with their dad, their dad, who's thinking, hey, one day, my, you know, I'm going to get old, I'm, I hope to retire, I'm going to, I want to pass on this fishing business to my family, to my my son, so they can support their families, and they say, hey, uh, Dad, we're out of here. I mean, we, we've known the preacher in the rope for like five minutes, but we're leaving you, the family business, and we're gonna go follow Jesus. And it just sounds doesn't sound reasonable. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending nets, and, and we'll need to add, because they were fishermen, and immediately he called them and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. It's like, what's wrong with these guys? I don't think they had a clue. What Jesus meant when he said what he said. And yet they followed him. And the amazing thing is that by the end, Peter, Andrew, James, and John became exactly what Jesus said he was going to make them. They became men who took the message that they heard Jesus preach. And they shared it with their, within their own spheres of influence, which was very different. Through their, their own personalities, which were all very different. And God used these four men to relay the singular message to completely different generations of people. And 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, here we sit. It almost defies logic, but it all began with a generation of people who understood it's not enough to just passively follow Jesus and believe stuff. But to follow is to accept and embrace an assignment, to, to allow Jesus to change us into something, because to follow Jesus is to fish, And those first followers embraced this with their lives and became fishers of men and fishers of women who shared it with other men and other women who understood it's not enough just to follow. You have to fish. And they shared with a group who shared with another group who shared with another. And again, here we are halfway around the world, 2,000 years later, most of us celebrating, living for, worshiping, following a Jewish carpenter because the first group of followers knew and understood to follow fish. And it wasn't just Peter and Andrew, James and John. There was a tax collector that became a fisher of men. There were were prostitutes that became fishers of men. There was a woman who'd been married five times who became a fisher of men. There was a man who Jesus healed from the whole pack of demons. And he goes back to his hometown and he becomes a fisher of men. And throughout the New Testament, we discover that there is a requisite correlation between following Jesus and his big assignment to become fishers of men of men. And these first guys, at the beginning, were horrible at it. I mean, they were just terrible at it. They didn't know what they were doing, and they were clumsy, and they were... Jesus, Jesus was always having to reel them back in. Like, there's this one time where all these kids have gathered around Jesus, and the disciples shoo all the children away, and Jesus is like, guys what's going on? That was my illustration. Like, what are you talking about? I wanted to illustrate faith and what it looked like. And I just gathered all these children. It's like, okay, bring the kids back. And there was this time they started to argue amongst themselves about who was the favorite and who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they were arguing this in front of Jesus, which is like a couple of ants arguing about which one of them is bigger in front of an elephant. And Jesus is like, really, guys, come on. And one time, they try to cast out a demon, and the demon won't budge. They come to Jesus, go, the demon won't budge. He's like, well, did you pray? No. Well, you need to pray. And so throughout the whole story, these guys just struggle to get it right. But in the end, in the end, these four fishermen and tax collectors and a bunch of people from different walks of life began to get it. And they became not just followers of Jesus, but fishers of men. Because you need to know, you need to know that when Jesus called me, and when he called you to follow him, it wasn't simply to make you a better person. It wasn't simply to make you more disciplined and more holy and a better husband and a better wife and a better student or employee or a parent or a better child, and better in all your relationships and finances. Yes, yes, he offers all those things. But there's more, there's something bigger and beyond just us. And what we're going to discover in these next few weeks, it's intimidating. Because his goal for you and for me is part of following Jesus is to do in the lives of others what others did in your life. To do in the lives of others what someone has done in your life. Because whatever they did is why you are sitting here this morning or why you're listening online. And for most of you, you sit or you listen as a follower of Jesus Christ because of what they did. Now the interesting thing is when we became a Christian, None of us sign up for this. None of us sign up for this. No one in the room would go, you know, I wanted to become a Christian so that I could become a fisher of men. No. I See, I became a Christian for the same reason you did. I had very, very selfish motives. Quite simply, I had it explained to me that when people die they go to heaven or they go to hell and hell heaven is very very good and hell is very bad heaven is very very good hell is very very bad and if you become a christian you go to heaven you don't go to hell which if you're really someone that senses there's more to this life than this life it doesn't require a whole lot of thought i'm pain diverse enough to go like I, okay i'll sign up for that i became a christian for purely selfish motives and for most of you you did too some of you you're like me you kept banging your head enough times because of your pattern of poor and destructive choices, and you realize, I think the only way I'm going to stop this destructive, painful pattern is if I turn to God. For some of you, it was because things were maybe falling apart in one of your relationships, or in your marriage, or you were struggling financially, or with addiction, or you uh, wanted your children exposed to something bigger in in life, or you were struggling as a parent. Something was going on in your life, and you just knew, "I, I need something bigger in my life. You need to make a change, or maybe things were growing great for you, but there was just kind of this empty part. There was this void in you, and you needed something, and you realized it was God, so you became a Christian, and once you became a Christian, you realize, hey, Jesus saved me. He's given me something good. He gives good things, and God, since you're giving good things, you know, there are some other good things that I need, and so for the most part, we start out like, you know, God, could you give me, give me, give me, and bless me, and protect me, and help me, and help this work out, and help that work out, and get me a job, get me a better job, fix my marriage, get me a marriage, get me another marriage, you know, uh, help my children, bless them, my family, and, and God is so patient, and God answers all of those prayers, and he a- interacts with us on a daily basis, and then we come here on a Sunday, and there's songs, and it's like, wow, God is so faithful, God is so real, He met this need. He met these needs. He gave me peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. And he brought me this opportunity or that opportunity. And there's all this wonderful stuff with following Jesus. And we like it. Following Jesus has all kinds of advantages with the the big bonus of heaven when you die. We follow Jesus because of what he promised us or what he did to us or for us. Same with these guys. We didn't start following Jesus because we wanted to embrace some big assignment, especially since the majority of you are introverts, all right? Like, no, I didn't sign up for this. Now, when you read this story in Mark, let's be honest, again, it just seems so unrealistic or even irresponsible, follow me, like, oh, hey, Dad, we got to go follow the guy in the robe. We're out. Luke tells the same story, but Luke gives us extra details that Mark doesn't. Most of you remember this story if you grew up in church. Luke tells us that when this interaction happened right after they'd been fishing all night. And Jesus says to them, hey, let's go fishing. And it's about 11 o'clock in the morning. And they think, "Um, carpenter, who doesn't know anything about fishing, okay, we've been fishing at night when you're supposed to go fishing in this part of the world, but you want us to go fishing in the middle of the day. The only thing that we're going to catch is a sunburn if we go out. And if you can read it for yourselves, they had a bit of an attitude. It's like, this: we we don't want to do this, Uh, but besides, we're cleaning our nets. We're almost done. We want to go home because, in case you didn't notice, we're fishermen. And Jesus says, no, 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 Just, just go fishing with me. So they give in. They say, because you say so. And they catch so many fish in their net, they can't get them in the boat. And then they call James and John over to their boat, and they fill them up, and there's so many fish, it starts to sink the boats, and they get the boats up to the shore, and there's just so many fish, they can't even count them, let alone clean them, it's clearly a miracle, and it's in that moment, that Jesus says, now, follow me, follow me, and from now on, you're going to catch men, well, what else are they going to do? Like, nah, we got all these fish to clean. So Their dads are going, son, seriously, we will take care of the fish. Go follow that guy. Well, he said he's going to make us fishers of men. We don't even know what that means. We don't care. Follow the guy who has filled our boats. This is amazing. Just go with him and figure it out. See, they followed Jesus because of what they saw, because of what they experienced, because of what he did for them just like you and just like me. And Jesus says, okay, that's a great start. That's the starting point. But let me warn you, if you follow long enough, it won't just be because of what I've done for you lately. Just like with these guys, over time, I'm going to take all that mundane stuff that happens between birth and death. I'm going to take all of that. I'm going to take it all. I'm going to use it to bring eternal value to your life and to other people. In other words, if all the temporal, temporary stuff in your day-to-day life, if it's going to have eternal value, it will be because you allow me to make you, if you're willing to accept the assignment of being fishers of men and women. and I mean, isn't it true that nearly everything we pray for and pray about is for this life? All about between birth and death. I mean, your marriage is important. And, and you pray that God will bless your marriage if you're married, but your marriage is going to come to an end. And I'm not trying to be insensitive because some of you have experienced this, but eventually one of you is going to die. You know, God protect my children, but one day that relationship between you and your child is going to come to an end because one of you is going to die. God, help me with my finances. And one day your financial world is going to come to an end and you will have zero control over a single penny that you had a control of in this life. I mean, just, again, think about it. The things that we have so much passion about in this life that create so much worry and stress and the things that we pray so hard about and say, oh God, please, please help me with this stuff. Help me with this. It's, it's all important. But only within the context between birth and and death, none of it has any eternal value on its own merits. It's all about now and this life, and God is concerned about those things. Jesus makes that very, very clear. But here's what I want you to hear today as we launch this series. Your Heavenly Father has the potential to take all that menial, temporary, temporal stuff in life that we are so concerned about, and give it eternal value if we allow him to make us fishers of men and women. And this is hard for some of you to believe, and it's a little scary for some of you to embrace. And I understand that, and that's why we're going to spend the next few weeks on this, that that God has the ability to take your job or your lack of job, your marriage, your loss of marriage, your singleness, your children, the fact that you can't have children, the fact that you're divorced, the fact that you've tried and failed in a certain area, or you've tried and failed in a certain area of temptation, the fact that you're in debt or that you got out of debt, all of that stuff that consumes your thinking, and it does. It does doesn't it? See, because of where you are, who you are, and your life experience, you are perfectly positioned in someone else's life to be the preeminent fisher of men and women in their life on their behalf. God says, I will use all that stuff in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the seemingly unimportant and mundane in someone else's life, to help them discover and have a relationship with me if you follow me. If you embrace the big assignment that comes with following me. Because to follow is to fish. Now, I know because I've had these conversations. Some of you would go, Chad, it, that's easy for you to say because you're an extrovert. You're a pastor and a preacher. Okay? Because, but see, here's the problem. I look at you and I think, no, you would be much better at fishing because I'm a pastor and preacher. See, in some ways, I have a huge disadvantage. Because when I talk to people, they expect me to talk about God and Jesus. and It's just like, it just doesn't carry as much weight. They just assume that's all I can talk about. Like, I can possibly have interest in anything else that they might be able to relate with. In fact, as many of you know, as I've said, when I meet people for the first time, I play this little game. The game is, how long can we go before you find out I'm a pastor? Because the moment they do, the whole interaction changes. Assumptions are made. Many times walls go up. And I immediately feel like I've just taken 10 steps back with this person. All the baggage that people carry with them from bad experiences with Christians and churches or church leaders or church in the media, church on social media, that's been great. Uh, You know, it comes front and center because, and then suddenly there's a wall that comes up between us. See, I think more often than than not, it's a huge disadvantage. Some of you, you look at other people and go, You'd be great because you, oh my gosh, you were, you were a sinner, all right? You lived a life of sin. There's just no arguing. I mean, you were really, really bad. And God lifted you out of that. And you've got this really great dramatic story of redemption. If I had had a terrible story like you that became a wonderful story, then I'd be a fisherman too. But, you know, it's, I've just kind of lived this kind of kind of boring, wrinkle-free, pretty moral life. I've just always believed and the people that have, like, all the sin and the baggage and the ju- junk in their past, you know, they look at you and go, no, 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 you would be way better positioned. I mean, it's like you just, like you just naturally obeyed God in your life, and you didn't give in to all this other stuff that I did, and you just have kind of walked with Jesus, and you've lived kind of this pretty awesome, pretty clean moral life. I think you've got all the leverage. And then other people say, well, I'm too old. Or other people say, I'm too young. Or I can't speak very well. Or I'm an introvert. and See, it's almost impossible for us to look in the mirror. And look at our lives. And think that we have somehow the potential to be effective fishers of men and women in our life. And with all that's at stake. This is what I want you to hear for the next few weeks as we begin this series. And begin to work on your fears. And your hesitations. And your excuses. Jesus says, follow me. And I will make you. I will make you. Yes, you and I have our part in accepting the fellowship, accepting the assignment, but Jesus has a part that only he can do through his spirit. And are you going to fumble it sometimes? Yes. Are you going to get it wrong sometimes? Yes. Are you going to drive away from conversation and lay in bed like, oh, I should have said this or whatever? Yes get over it. It's going to happen. It's okay. Just embrace it. Just like his first followers did. And to be clear, this is not going to go somewhere like into the old like stereotypes of like walking in neighborhoods, knocking on doors, handing out tracks, you know, standing on the corner of somewhere on Douglas Street with a big John 316 sign. Okay. That's not what this is about. What we're talking about is a process, not some forced weird methodology. Okay. A process that God wants through your own personality and your own story to take this life-changing message to some specific people that are already in your life. That there's someone who will listen to you that will never listen to me. And there's someone in your life that you can impact that neither myself nor the person to your left or right could ever impact. Nothing like you. I mean, think about the person For those of you, you'd say, I'm I'm a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower. Think about the person that God used to bring you to faith in Christ. Or once you hit 18 or 20 or 30 or even 40, that brought you back. I mean, think about that person or that group of individuals that God strategically used to bring you to faith or back to faith in Christ. And I can tell you three things about that scenario. The first one, you'd already heard the message. In other words, especially once you got past 20, like no one came to you and go, hey, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And you go, who's Jesus? I've never heard this story before. That's for most, if not all of you, the message wasn't new. But it wasn't simply the message. It was also the messenger. I mean, something about that particular person, about their past, about their story, about their personality, their achievements—something about that person, combined with the message—and the third part was that the message and the messenger combined with your current life circumstances, and this threefold combination made them a prime candidate to be the one who got you interested, to who helped reel you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? See, we all have different stories, but for those of us that have put our full trust in Jesus, we all have these three things in common. The message and the messenger combined with a unique set of circumstances in our life, and it made the light bulbs go on, and suddenly it all made sense, and we believed, and we are so thankful. And whether you see it or accept it or not, you have been and will continue to be perfectly positioned by God because of who you are and the experiences you have had to be the person that God wants to use to be a fisher of men and women in someone's life. And in 2022 America, I believe we've lost sight of this very, very crucial part of being a follower of Jesus. So that's why we're doing this series. Because if we aren't thinking in these terms, we miss a significant part of our calling. We miss the opportunity to make a life-changing difference in someone's life that God's positioned us to make. And we live our whole Christian life focused on us. We live our whole Christian life trying to be gooder, better, you know, richer, better, happier, you know, better relationships. And we live with the illusion that this is the extent to what God has called us to. And in the end, we have no, it has no value except to us. Because it's all about me. And as a church, we'll live with the illusion that this is the extent to what God has called us to when in fact God says now that you've embraced my son Jesus as your Lord and your Savior I have a very special very important assignment for you I want you to leverage your goodness and I want you to leverage your sin and your resources and and all that I've given you and how I positioned you for the sake of someone else's life for their eternity And the only way to do that is to live our Christian lives aware of this big assignment, followers, fish. And again, I know it's intimidating, so if you're serious about living as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, the way Jesus attended, I'm going to help you with this. You just need to show up each week for the next few weeks. And we're going to talk about this. So as we start today, I want to ask three things of you. The first is uh, to make being here the next few weeks a top priority and just show up. The second thing is to start praying a simple prayer, some version of this. Heavenly Father, I don't see how it's possible, but if you can somehow use my life to impact another person's faith, then do it. I want you to do it. Use me, even if it's just one person. And for some of you in the past months, honestly, you're just coming back. And, or, or you're brand new to the faith. And in my experience, you need to know brand new or even returning Christians are the best, most effective fishers of men and women than people who've been Christians five or more years. Newly caught fish are far better at bringing in other fish. And if you're not a Christian or a religious person, you've not crossed that line yet, you're just trying to figure out, I know you're thinking, okay, this is exactly why I don't like Christians. Like one of the- that may bug you about Christians is you feel like we're always trying to reel you into Jesus, okay? I get that. So just hang in there. I got something for you. We're going to talk about that. But here's what I want you to hear today. That right now, if you're a Jesus follower, you are surrounded by or even if you're not, you're surrounded by people just like you. And we don't think we're better. We just think we're better off. Because we have connected to our Heavenly Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. We're glad somebody fished. We're glad somebody caught us. We like what God has done in and through our life and around us because because we believe there's more to this life than this life and that Jesus gives us hope for life after this life. How could we not possibly share this opportunity with others? Now next week we're going to dig more on that from the book of Acts. The why. Why do it? Why can't we just believe what we want to believe and just let everyone else believe what they want to believe and that a big Just God is just going to work it out in the end. Next week, we're going to dig into that very, very important why. But for now, just commit to coming back. Pray that God would begin to use you, even in one person's life. And I want to give you a simple, simple homework assignment. Now, as I would often say to my boys as they were growing up, I am not as dumb as I look. Now, a lot of times, I know I ask you to do stuff, you kind of yawn, and you go home. God's going to give you a brownie point for showing up. I get it, all right? Uh, but I want to give you a homework assignment, and it's really, really simple. And I think this could impact you even more than you might expect. This week, I want you to walk up to 10 random people, look them in the eye, and say, I love you, and Jesus loves you too. No, that's not the assignment. Uh <laughs> Ha! I love doing that. Uh, Here's what I would like for you to do. Okay, this will only take like 10 minutes. All right. Sometime this next week, I just want you to sit down and write a short letter or a message, email, however you do it, to the person that introduced you to Christ. Now, for some of you, in some cases, that person isn't alive anymore, but maybe maybe someone close to them is. Maybe a spouse. Maybe one of their children, adult child, is still alive. And you can share this with them. I'm just simply asking you to push pause on the craziness that is your life. And I get it. And just make the time to sit down and write a letter explaining how they impacted your life. And just express your gratitude. To the person that led you to Christ or has been instrumental in bringing you back to the faith. And, and here's why making the time to do this this week is important. The first is to remind you that you yourself were once a fish. Okay? And secondly, to remind you of the incredible gratitude that you harbor in your heart towards this person that maybe you've not thought about for a long time. for The person who God used because they took this assignment seriously. And they cared enough about you to be bold enough to share it with you. That person that led you into a relationship with Christ. I want you to write them a letter. And if that person is still alive, your letter will be a priceless gift to them. In fact, they might be shocked to find out that they played such an important role in your coming to faith. Or again, if they're not alive anymore, for a close loved one of theirs to know. I want to invite the band to come on up. More importantly, this assignment is to remind you that someone, again, someone was bold enough to share their faith with you, maybe they asked you to read this book or listen to this talk or listen to this podcast, whatever it is, and then talk about it. Uh, you know, they said, maybe they came to you and said, hey, I, I know there's, I know you got this going on in your life or something's up in your life. I just want you to know I care about you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you if you need me. Somebody took a risk and somebody's life experience combined with the incredible message. And those two things intersected with your life circumstances And God used it in an incredible way. And if it wasn't for the person that understood this principle, you might still be wandering purposeless. Trying to figure out life without the context of a God who loves you. You are perfectly positioned in someone else's life to be the perfect man, fisher of men, fisher of women. And to add to the motivation, I mean, imagine this moment. Imagine someday someone... Is going to share their story or possibly even write a letter like what I just described. And they're going to talk about the person that was instrumental in bringing them to Christ. And you're going to be the person that they talk about. And if you hear about it, you might think, I just, I didn't know. Like all I said or all I did was, was this. And, but God would say, Yeah, but you, the unique messenger with a unique message. You allowed me to use you at the perfect time to make a difference in their life that you had no idea. And just as a man, as a friend, as a pastor, I just want that so desperately for you. So let's follow Jesus. Let's really follow. And let's, especially over the next few weeks, allow him to make us fishers of men and fishers of women to accept and embrace this big assignment to fish. And again, don't miss next week for why.